Yes, we are back for season two of Energy Captains. Whitney Holtzman, Cam Lynch, we are here back in the flesh. Hello, Whitney. So excited. These recording days are always my favorite. It's just we both leave on cloud nine. We get to talk to so many amazing people. And major difference starting off season two is that you retired from the NFL. Congratulations. Thank you. I retired from the NFL. So it, it feels great. It's nice, too, to come and, and podcast. It's like therapy. It's like writing in a journal. Speaking into a journal, and that's what we that's what we do here on, on Energy Captains. Yep, and I think this next chapter will be just as amazing, if not more amazing, than you playing in the NFL. And what an accomplishment to have an entire career uh, accomplished from start to finish by the time that you're in your late 20s. I mean, that's just absolutely unbelievable. Most people work their entire lives to fulfill one career, and maybe they, they're done around 60, 70, and you've already accomplished so much, and you're not even 30 yet, and I think that you should be incredibly proud of that. Yeah, it's super awesome to tell people, yeah, I'm retired, I'm working backwards, right, where the benefits kick in when I'm 55, and I can just work backwards from that. So it, it's really cool to, to speak on that, and I've been doing it since I was 7 or 11, years old so I've been doing it for a while even though I'm 26 I've been doing it for a while and I'm a professional in the field so it's now time to use these resources and use these skills uh, to to our advantage absolutely and you know it, it really pays off at this moment that while you were playing football you used every minute of your free time to have different broadcasting internships and jobs at the identity players tribune NFL network Fox sports and did you feel like when you retired that you were so glad that you used your time wisely to be able to build that resume most definitely meeting people especially with our guests that's coming up uh, meeting awesome women awesome men in the sports space in the business space and just creatives in general so you get to really I get to really find out who I am outside of the player Cameron and so without further ado I'm going to introduce our next guest her name is Serena Murphy uh, give it up to for Serena Murphy you all hand clap oh I'm the producer I'm pressing the buttons there we are you are the true producer but Serena Murphy welcome to Energy Captains we are on video now we have upgraded from audio to video so Serena Murphy thank you for being our, our first guest on the video Energy Captains podcast thank you for having me <laughs> I'm so excited you're here, Serena. And, you know, before we hopped on the podcast, I already, like, felt like we had such a connection. And, you know, I'm so grateful that you were willing to be here today and to tell your story because, um, you know, what you've gone through, a lot of other people have as well, except they've had to kind of suffer in silence because there's a stigma around talking about going through the hard times. And what you're doing and your willingness to be here today is going to be such a guide for so many people. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your story and kind of what led you to this moment here today? Okay, so my name is Serena Murphy. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida originally, and I moved here to Tampa. Um, I was married to, um, you know, a former NFL player that did play for the Bucks as well. So um, with that said, um, prior to me meeting him, I was uh, an entrepreneur. I had my own business. I had my thing going on, you know. So um, so it wasn't like, oh, I'm a damsel in distress and somebody came and rescued me for financial gain. That wasn't the case. I just want to throw that out there. And the thing <laughs> with narcissists is that it does. they don't just show up and you see their bad side right away. They right. have a manipulative way of being charming in the beginning to make you think that it's everything that you've been looking for. And so you get excited about that partner and it's not until you're deep in it that their true colors come out and so you know when you had everything going on I assume when you guys met that you know he made you feel in the beginning like you could be more of yourself and everything you had going on was what he was looking for absolutely absolutely and um like as soon as we got married I like two weeks in I just seen a change it was like 
uh, Jacqueline, Mr. Hot, you know. It was so that fast? It was that fast. Wow. What's some advice that you would have for athletes whenever we do get married, right? Um, what kind of conversation should we have with our partners so we don't fall into that trap of narcissism, of being um, abusive in different ways? How do, What's some advice? Well, my advice will be, you know, make sure that's the person that you really want to be with for the long run. You know, if you see somebody that has attributes to help you leave a legacy, don't use that person to get you where you need to be. And then you're just just going to leave them. You know, don't don't do that. You know, just make sure that you guys can build together. Um, also, allow that that woman to have her own, you know, because a lot of times, you know, um, people in high profile or someone that has a lot of money more than what they're. Um, significant other is making or vice versa, they're basically, okay, I want to just, you know, take care of you. I want to take care of you. So that means I don't want you to work. And that can fall into narcissistic behavior because now being that you feel like you're paying all the bills and you're doing all this, I'm going to control you. You can't do this. You can't do that. And now the person that you felt in love with is not the person that you you met at the, at the beginning. Because, it's a power imbalance. Right. So at that point, that happy-go-lucky woman, that person that was always loving on you, she's not loving on you anymore because now she's depressed because you're not allowing her to be that person that you met in the first place. And were there any red flags before those signs started to come out? Or are there any questions you wish you had asked that might have exposed who, who he was before the signs started coming out? I mean, I have friends who, you know, have been in similar dynamics where they say, you know, went during the engagement in the beginning of the marriage, they saw no signs. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until they were kind of trapped that that started to come out. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily that you miss signs. But what was it like in your circumstance? Well, when we were about to get married, I want to say like a month or so before I saw signs, but I was like, you know, it's not that bad. You know, it's going to change. And or what whatever. were those signs? The signs was being demanding, you know, um, saying stuff about my appearance. You know, I'm I know how to dress. So and you're I, beautiful I inside and out. Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, he'd say a little stuff like, oh, you're going to just you're going to wear that. Like, I don't want people to think that my future wife is this, but. In my mind, I was like, well, this is how you met me. And it wasn't like I was dressed half naked. I'm very classy. So I just felt that that time that he was just saying it so nobody else would want to try to come and talk to me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was, it was like, flattering. Yeah, it was at yep. the point. And then I was like, you know what? You don't mean it. It's going to change. And then I just started seeing like small little anger issues. And then, you know, I was the type of person I kind of calmed him down. And I was like, well, that's what a wife is supposed to do. Because growing up, I didn't see a successful household. My mom was a single parent, you know, and on my dad's side, he was married for 30 years, but I didn't know him like that. So um, it was kind of like, I'm going into this thing thinking I know how to be a wife or, you know, and you know, you go to church and they say you have to submit. And the difference between you have to know the difference between submit and being stupid. That's what I learned in this uh, marriage as well. You know what I mean? What a great one-liner to remember, you know, to make sure that you're staying on the right side of that equation. Yeah, absolutely. So um, everything that I thought that I was supposed to be as a wife was totally not what it was supposed to be. So for women dating athletes and or the other way around, right? You have uh, men dating female athletes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Serena Williams, X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. So for high-profile athletes or anybody in the military or any high-level profession, do you suggest getting counseling? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like, um, because we did go to marriage counseling, but he was also an evangelist in the church that we went to. 
we only went to counseling twice and he was married before. So the counselor was like, you know, you've been married before, you know what to do. So it was kind of like a slap on the wrist. This is my first marriage. So I didn't know, like, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is it, you know? It's like everyone's giving him the pass and you have no one advocating for you. Right, absolutely. And you see that a lot with high profile relationships, period. You know, because a lot of times people think that just because what you see on the outside of a person that's who they are, but behind closed doors, they can be a complete monster. So when you go out and you try to, you know, get help or you tell people, well, this is what's going on. Like, for example, the first year that um, we were married and the um, domestic violence started happening when it was mental and verbal, you know, went to the church, tried to get counseling and everything. And the first thing they told us is you two are trying to become one. But to me, no, that's that's definitely not how you speak to your wife that's definitely not how you treat the person that you say you love you know is is different I understand that in relationships you do have you know your differences but to disrespect somebody to their lowest points where you're trying to make them feel like they're nobody that's not that's not what's up and thank goodness you had the awareness and self-esteem to know what was taking place wasn't okay because you hear all these cliches relationships aren't perfect you have to compromise and so sometimes it's hard to know what the line is of what's acceptable and once you're deep in it you're a loyal person so you're just trying to find ways to make it work and so what is what is that line of what is okay and what isn't for someone who might be questioning the relationship there and now what are some of those things that might be happening to them that they should really kind of maybe reconsider the position that they're in and, and maybe think about getting out. Right. So for me, um, looking at the whole spiritual aspects, I am a spiritual person. You have to know God for yourself, because if you don't know God for yourself and you run to, you know, somebody at, that you look at as a, a spiritual advisor, they can tell you one thing based on what the Bible says, but that's not the best thing for you. So if God is telling you in your hearts of hearts, this is not how it's supposed to be, and you need to get away from this situation, it's okay to get divorced if you're not in a um, in an area to where you feel like you're safe, your kids are safe, you know, or you having so much stress that it's causing um, medical issues. It's okay. It's okay. And I don't want people to think that if I get married, I have to deal with this because it's say to death do you part. You know, you know the, the vows and everything, which is cool, but it's the vows to me is, you know, you're going to have um, normal things that happen. Right. But when things get to a point where it's kind of like it's health related, you feel like you're fighting for your life. To me, it's time to cut it off. You know, and a lot of people, they take the advice of spiritual advisors as face value and they stay in it, which is why I stayed in my marriage for five years, because I prayed about it. I was like, okay, God, you know, we're going to work through this thing. You know, I feel like I'm battling for my husband and for my relationship. Really, I was losing myself within, you know, and I just felt like, you know, when I came into the situation, God never told me to give up my career. God never told me to do this and do that. I did that because I felt like this is what a good wife is supposed to to do. And this is what my husband expects of me. You know, so having your own mind, knowing God for yourself is the advice that I would give somebody. You know what I don't like when people mask evil with religion. Yeah. And I'm going to take you to I'm going to tell you two stories. One story with the military guy on the boat on the submarine says, yeah, we release Navy SEALs from this submarine and they go and do God's work. We don't know what it is, but we go do God's work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> right. Go do God's work. I mean, you're masking something with religion, number one. And number two, I just retired, went through the trust, which is for the former players, mm-hmm. right? You get your benefits. So Cigna, 
we get five years for coverage after we're done playing and they provide counseling for you and your partner. And it's an unbiased person. Right. And so when you say unbiased, so relationship counseling comes with your medical benefits when you retire. Wow. I bet people don't realize that. That's amazing. And that can, that can be a little bit better. I would say if so people can't mask that evilness behind religion, right? right? You get to go to an unbiased person. But then you have that aspect of, okay, you have somebody who has a uh, a status in front of people, right? And how would, would that be unbiased, right? So how would you know? But I do, I don't like the fact that they hid um, evil behind religion. That's it's hypocritical. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not Absolutely. fair. And I think, you know, you have to ask yourself, everyone is always going to weigh in with an opinion, but mm-hmm. you have to say, is this working for me? Absolutely. And everyone else is going to have a different answer based on who they are. And at the end of the day, the person has to add to your emotional bank account. If they're, they continue to take out money and they're draining you emotionally, then it's not working for you and Absolutely. you have to get out. And I think that has to be the litmus test instead of what everyone else out there is trying to tell you. Absolutely. Zero. I totally agree with that. Zero percent toxicity. That's what Whitney says Perfect. all the time. So yeah. And so transitioning from, what we can do as men to do better sure. <laughs> right in life <laughs> right uh into into women in sports right yeah. instead of push, pushing women down lifting women up absolutely and i was just you know wanted to touch on one of the things you mentioned is we hear about you know physical abuse that's the most obvious mm-hmm. which i'm so sorry that you went through and mm-hmm. obviously the emotional is a little more secretive and buried down because you can't see it and so it, you know people are really struggling with it but you also talked about financial being you know abused as mm-hmm. well and mm-hmm. so can you just touch on um, how that went down and, and just maybe some signs. So again, other people who might be experiencing the same thing, like, you know, everyone on the outside, we think, okay, people get married and they have a joint bank account, but there's often an imbalance of power when you're trying to create a partnership. So how did that work in your world when you were going through those tough times? So like I said, I, I had my own for so long and i um, coming into something I've been working since I was 16. So to have somebody say, Hey, you don't have to work. I want to take care of you. I'm like, okay, let's Hallelujah, this, you know? right? yeah. <laughs> sounded great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I I was excited, you know, I just thought that's how marriage is supposed to work. So long story short, you know, my um my daughter who is not his um uh, his child, um, her dad passed away. So um with that said, when she was like four or five, um, you know, of course she's getting her um her insurance money and everything, and that was the only income that I had coming in um at that time, um, because he didn't want me to work. So um I first started seeing the financial situation when he was like, okay, I need you to go to the bank, take all the money out, give it to me so I can put it towards the bills. And I'm like, okay, but, you know, this is for my daughter. You know, what if she needs something? And he was like, well, you have to ask me for it. Oof. So I was like. Hell no. He's not right. your dad. Yeah. What? <laughs> right. So I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't feeling that. And then so he was like, well, if that's not what you want to do and you want to help out with the, the household, don't ask me for anything for her. So I was like, okay, whatever. It's not even a big deal. So I did that for like two months. And when I asked the the, the thing, <laughs> the thing that really got me was when I asked him for like her some. She needed some shoes because her foot was growing too too fast. And he was like, oh, we don't have the money for that. So I'm like, so what is this extra money that I'm giving you on top of what you're? Well, I'm paying bills or whatever. And I was like, well, I'm not doing it anymore. And so he called up the elders of the church once again. And they were basically saying, you know, you know, in in reference to finances, you know, the guy is supposed to take care of the finances. Anything that the the wife uh, brings in is extra or whatever. And 
basically kind of telling us how to do our finances. Sounds and I, backwards. It yeah, sounds backwards. Yeah. These guys at the church were enablers. So, so I did. I didn't agree with that, and I stopped it. Good. You know, I stopped going to the to my bank because it didn't make sense to me to have the Social Security office depositing stuff in my account. I have to go get it, bring it back to you, and ask for it. It's too much. You grown, right? I mean, you are a woman. Right. You are independent. And right. even through all of this abuse and manipulation, you still never lost your strength and your smarts. And I think that saved you through this situation. It actually kind of made it worse. Really, it did. It really did because, like, when I started, um, when I started, not really talking back or standing up for myself. It was like, okay, that well. That fueled his fire. Yeah, it did. So it was kind of like, you know, it was always an argument. And it started getting to the point where, okay, well, get, go get my papers. And da, 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 go get his papers, me to go get my papers so we can file a divorce. So I pulled his car one day because we were standing in Jacksonville. And I went downtown to go get his papers. Like I was about to ask you, how'd you get out? But here yeah, we go. Right, yeah, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so I went to go get his papers. But when I went down there, um, you know, I'm like, okay, God, like. I don't know what to do. Like, this is kind of weird for me. So I'm thinking I'm just going to get a, a legal separation, right? So I asked them for a legal separation form, and um, they said that we don't do legal separations in Florida, in the state of Florida. You're either together or you're divorced. And I was like, okay. And the lady was like, well, what do you want to do? And she was like, this is how much it costs. Of course, I didn't have the money. So I was like, well, I don't know. I'll get back with you. So I had took a picture of the door so he can know I was going to get his papers. Right. So I, I took a picture and I said, hey, I'm here to come get your papers. Is this amount of money I need it so I can go ahead and file? And he was he just went off of me. He's like, so now you're now you're around here trying to uh, tear our family up like he threw it back on me. He knew how to gaslight you right. so that he always had the power to deceive you in terms of your own thoughts. Right. So, you know, with that said, I was just like. I don't know. I was stupid. Let's just say that. You know, like I said, it's the difference between being submissive and being stupid. And I was so stupid during those five years of marriage, you know, that I'm just looking back and like, dang, like even talking about it. I but just, I think you learned, right? You yeah. know, I mean, what was going on? You, you, you're an authentic person who takes things at face value. And when someone is so manipulative and controlling, it's not obvious what's going on. It's not right in front of yeah. you that you're making a choice. It's, you know, it's so deep seated that you just think you're doing the best you can and you're relationship and you right. don't even realize that someone is playing games with your mind right. and you know so you realize in hindsight what was going on was not okay but you never had the example of you know this is this is what's normal and what you're going through is not I mean you had to learn the hard way we all right. have it yeah. a lot of what conversation did you have or what moment did you have where it was like I'm out um so when we moved to Tampa is where he played his best years you know so he had the the crowd you know, when we go out, people knew who he was. You know, we got free food. It was just like... It seemed on great top. on the outside. Right. So it just fueled his fire. Because once you're... And you you might experience this. I'm not sure if you will. But once you stop playing football, the cheers of the crowd is going to is gonna fade. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of guys don't know how to, hand, handle, how to handle that. So what they do is they expect for whoever in a household to pick up that slack. 
Right. You well, know, and I always tell Cam and other guys, too, when I say, tell me about who you are. Mm-hmm. And if the first thing they say is I'm an athlete, I'm like, no, you cannot define yourself by something that's right. temporary. And I think the great thing about Cam is that he's always going to be the same person, n- no matter what circumstance he's in or what job he's doing, because he's such a strong person at his core. Right. Yeah, I'm going to tie this together. So I was at the Tampa Bay Vipers practice yesterday. Mm-hmm. And one of the ladies who writes for the Vipers, she asked me, oh, who are you here with? I thought about it. I was like, Cameron Lynch. That's who I'm with. Right. right? That's who I'm with. That's what I'm doing. And that's because I was able to own my own brand, my own anything. I was able to own it. And I think it's similar to athletes and it's similar to the situations when it comes to the abuse. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it comes to the NFL, when it comes to these sports, you know, coming going down that field, hitting each other that hard Mm -hmm. with limited resources. Mm Same thing with military. They have limited resources, right? And your situation, he limited your resources. And mm-hmm. it was that same feeling of where I'm playing the football for four years. I'm like, hmm, I want to do media. And they're like, you can't do that. He's like, you can't have this money. You can't put shoes on your own baby. What? So for me, when I, when I retired, it was like weight off my shoulders. When the lady asked me, who you here with? I say, Cameron Lynch, that's weight off my shoulders. I am out of that marriage. I am out of yes. that situation. So now I can control my own dialogue. And that's that's why Winnie and I are together here today, mm-hmm. to control the, the your own dialogue, tell your own story. And she wrote a book about that, controlling your own dialogue. And that's similar here. Right. Don't let anyone control who and what you are because you define who you are. Yeah. Right. And, and by the way, you can have those controlling dynamics in a lot of different situations. So what Cam was saying, you know, about playing in the NFL and something's always controlling you and you in relationships. I had it with a lot of bosses and I totally lost who I was. And, you know, it took a lot of hard moments to finally say, I'm just going to break through. And I'd rather lose out on some of the comfortable amenities to be able to have the freedom to be me and to not suffer from, you know, other people bringing you down or manipulating you are controlling you because some stories Whitney I mean I I you know had one boss who said when we went to meetings you know make sure that you sit in the corner and you don't speak so that no one gets to know you Um, yep they Mm -hmm. insisted on reading my emails Um, you know they would find ways to punish me control me bring me down Um, I had other people who said because of my religion I wasn't a fit and all of a sudden seven months into the job they needed to see my resume and you know I mean all these things that felt so defining of me and made me feel how they were trying to control the narrative but when I broke away from it I almost had to start to heal and build myself back up and I've had it in relationships too and thank goodness all of us we're able to get out of the unhealthy and toxic dynamics we were right. in because I think that you don't always know when you start something what it's going to end up being. But the best thing you can do, you know, there's plenty of people that are just don't feel strong or brave enough to get out. And I think all of us are examples of being on the other side of it and how you can be so much happier. And right. I think we all want to encourage people if you feel like I say, if anyone is making you feel less than or bringing you down, you know, I call it addition by subtraction, you know. Anyone in your life should be an equal and make you feel like the best version of yourself. So if you're not feeling that way, there's much greener pastures on the other side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And going back to your question, when you asked me, how did I get out the situation? Um, it was crazy because I didn't know how to. And I always, like I said, I'm spiritual. And that's why I say you have to know God for yourself and have a relationship for yourself. Because I constantly asked him, why am I here? Why am I here? Like, I know this is not what marriage is supposed to be. You know what I mean? So I remember God just telling me, just trust trust me. Trust me. And situation after situation happened. I'm like, okay, you said trust you, you know. And it was so crazy because the tail end of our marriage, um, it was like my ex-husband was pushing me away. Because I didn't help him 
have his own TV show. I helped him uh, redefine his uh, nonprofit organization, which he picked up and moved. He said it was going to be our legacy, but he picked up and moved to Atlanta without me even knowing. Like, everything. I just felt like I was so used because he seen my ambition and he seen what I can bring to the table. And once he didn't need me anymore, it was like, okay, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? So towards the last... um, the last year of our relationship, I felt like he was trying to push me away. And I was like, okay, God, you know, you just, just let me know. And, um, he was getting hip replacement surgery because, you know, the NFL, it, it bangs you up, you know? So he got hip replacement surgery. He was like, you know what? You don't have to take care of me. My mom coming down here. I was like, okay, I really didn't want to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm just being honest <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause the, to be honest with you, the last two years, I like, I was, I did not love him mm-hmm. at all. You know, it was just like, it, it, was, it was whatever for me. So he was like, you know, my, my mom and my sister's coming down here. I was like, okay, cool. So he's the type of person, he's very pain tolerant. So even though he had to hit replacement surgery, he's walking in the mall, all this and all that. So long story short, it was a weekend, um, a week after his her, his surgery. My daughter had a, um, a field trip um, with her school. And at the time, she was going to school right downtown, like two minutes away from my house, because we stayed on Harbor Island. And... Um, my car was down and I was end up, you know, just using his cars and stuff. So this particular day, I was like, I need your car so I can take, you know, my daughter to to the field trip. So he was like, I want to go with you. And I was like, I just felt like something wasn't going to be right. So I was like, okay. So we go to take her to the field trip and we're on our way home. And he's like, why are you still with me? And I said, well, I feel like God is telling me not to give up on you. And he got upset. And he was like, that don't mean nothing, da 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 whatever, whatever. And he was like, why don't, when I come home from work, why don't you um, come to me and say, hey, poppies, how's your day? And I was like, well, what Spanish chick you been talking to? Because I'm 100% black. I don't talk like that. You know what I mean? So he was like, and it came into a big argument. And I remember because I was driving, like, it was so much to where, like, I started getting lightheaded. And I just got really quiet. And he was just arguing by himself. So I'm driving, driving, driving. Get to our parking garage, and he starts saying stuff about my daughter. Because I guess when I'm not, um, you know, entertaining him, he's trying to push my button. So he starts saying stuff about my kid, and then that's when I turned up on him. And he you wants know? to feel like he has the power that everything he does, right. you're going to react to. So he feels like he's always in control of situations. Right. So that's when I turned up, and then I got quiet again, parked in the little parking garage, and I get out, and he's still doing all this. And at this point, I'm like, okay, he's trying to find a way out. Like all this is running through my head. Like, you know, you done, uh, you took the keys to my car. You kicked me out the bedroom, told me to stay with my daughter. Like I have all, everything I'm telling you is documented. So nobody can come back and say I'm fabricating anything, Mm -hmm. you know? So he had notes saying me and my daughter don't have to talk to him ever again when he get upset about stupid stuff, you know? So I'm like, okay, so he's trying to find a way out. And I remember I was walking towards our door and he was walking behind me and he said something about my kid. I forgot what it was, but whatever it was, I turned around. And I was like, you don't have to say nothing about my daughter. And at that point, that's when he pushed me <gasps> and um, our parking garage, you know, you know, like a, a regular parking garage. So we um, when he pushed me, like my body slid across the the pavement, like my back was like still scarred up to this day. So um, I was like, did this? Did he just push me? Like, you know, that was the first time that he ever put his hands on me, and it was the last time because I don't play that. 
you know, so. And it's good that you saw that was a total difference maker than what had happened before, because sometimes when it's just one more little thing, you don't realize that it's crossed the line to a level that is just beyond unacceptable. Right. But that's not what crossed the line. So I caught the, um, I seen one of my neighbors coming from behind the, the, her car um, by the parking garage. And I said, excuse me, um, I need to use your phone. I didn't know where my phone was because all my stuff that was in my purse scattered. So I, I ran to her and I was like, my husband just put his hands on me, yada, yada, yada. And the first thing he turned around and said, she's lying. And I'm like, what? are you serious? You see like, this mark on right. my back? Yeah. Like I was bleeding. Like it was, it was crazy. And I had gravel embedded inside of oh my, my skin. So I called the police on her phone and she was like, I am so sorry this happened to you. I didn't see anything. So I can't really be a witness, but you can use my phone. So I called the police. I went downstairs and waited for them. And then, um, when they came, I told them what happened or whatever. Then I called one of my other friends to make sure that if anything go wrong, that she's there for me, you know, because I don't have any family here. They went upstairs and got his statement. Come to find out, well, I didn't tell you guys this part, but he do have a program in the jail system, so he knew some of the police officers that was there. And he has um, a relationship with the sheriff's office as well, with the sheriff as well. It's so hard for women to speak up when right. you're with an athlete because they have so much power and influence in the community that everyone wants to be a fan of theirs right. and take their side, and so you're silenced. Absolutely. And it's funny that you said that because one of the um, – it was two cops that was there. Um, it was an older guy and a younger guy. The younger guy – when he went up and got the um, the statement from him, he came back downstairs and got on his little uh, whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah, that thing. And was like, um, he uh, called somebody else and was like, hey, I think you want to come around here because this is a high profile case. And he was laughing. I guess he didn't hear me. He didn't know I heard him. So I'm like, are you serious right now? Yeah. So long story short, I end up being arrested because <gasps> I don't know what he said upstairs. Oh my goodness. No. Um, and I was like, what is really going on? So I, I saw his statement and he said in his statement that he, that I ran towards him. He was fearful for his life. He put up his arm and I have the police report. He said he put up his arm. I ran into his elbow and I, I felt back. First of all, you're a football player. I am 110 pounds, barely breaking five even. So how is it if hypothetically I was running towards you because you just got hip replacement surgery? How are you scared of me? You know and what I'm saying? How do you explain this gravel my back? Exactly. From my forearm shivered. Exactly. That don't make any sense. Exactly. So um, I end up going to jail. I was so freaking mad. So mad, terrified. So when they booked me and they put me in my cell, I was scared because it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. The lady that was at the bunk, she was big and she was breathing hard because she was asleep. And they had to put me at the top bunk. And I was and like. And you're framed. I right. mean, you, you're the victim. And right. here you are because of his power being. And that's terrifying that you may never get a chance to, you know, tell the truth of, of what happened. Absolutely. So the first thing I was thought about was my daughter. So luckily my friend was there. She went and got her, you know. And um, I'm in my bunk. I'm just crying. And I'm like, God, you told me to trust you. How do you want me to trust you? I say, this guy gets away with every single thing. So I remember at that point, um, three months before that, I remember God gave me the scripture of Joseph. I don't know if you guys remember that that story, but his brothers, um, you know, was hating on him and he ended up getting in jail, but he came out as a victor and, you know, he was just so wealthy and just everything just lined up for him. So when God gave me that vision again, I was like, okay, I'm going to trust you in this situation right here and right now. 
went to court the next day and the judge was not letting anybody go with a domestic violence case. And I told the uh, public defender, I was like, listen, I don't have any family here. Um, my daughter is with my friend right now. I told her the situation that happened, and she was like, this is not my first time seeing it. She said, it's a lot of times when women call and, you know, they're the victim, but they end up getting arrested. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So the judge ended up calling my name, and the public defender was like, your honor, I think you need to, um, you know, just throw this out. It doesn't make any sense. And this guy, the judge, was like so ruthless that day so I just knew I was not going home I was nervous so he gets the police report and everything that I just told you what was in the police report about the arm and all the stuff like that he he ended up laughing and he was like this reminds me of David and Goliath and um he was like it said something about um the description the police did it was it was it said something in reference to um Serena Murphy five 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 even, 110, um, uh, assaulted um, a, a guy that's 40, 40 years old <laughs> with a cane, um, six six even, 220, something along that line. So he just thought it was so funny. So I was like, well, I'm glad he think it's funny. I don't think it's funny because I'm sitting At least here. someone's laughing, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So he, he dismissed me. He told me, you know, just go home. Don't talk to him anymore or whatever. You know, and he's sorry that I wasn't here because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I love that you there was a, so. it, yeah. it came down ultimately at that moment to a man who took your side, yeah. you know, and was a champion for you. Yeah, which absolutely. is extraordinary. Absolutely. So when I went home, um, he beefed up his, his story, got a restraining order against me as if I was the one that was in the wrong. Um, and in result, I ended up being homeless, me and my daughter. Oh. But one thing that he had forgot about me that he met before is a person that's ambitious um, and resilient. Right. So that same, I had to remember who I was. And that's when I, you know, at the beginning we talked about remembering who you was in hard times. I had to remember who I was and I didn't deal with the fact that, you know, I'm about to get divorced. I'm homeless with a kid. I was in survival mode. You know what I mean? So everything that was taken away from me, I got back 100%. And it wasn't through alimony. It wasn't through no NFL money settlement or anything. It's because my ambition, my goals, and I know who I am now. I remember who I am. And for women who might be in this situation or men who are scared to get out, you're so inspiring because, you you know, I think people are afraid of losing certain amenities. And you literally were at rock bottom and had nothing and were able to survive and build your life back up. So if, if you can do it... Anyone else can get out Absolutely. because you had nothing. Absolutely. And it was crazy because, you know, um, I didn't, like I said, I didn't have a car or anything. I went to um, the the car place and the, the guy was like, well, you're being denied because your credit. I mean, I didn't know he ran up my credit. You know, he had sole responsibility of my um, everything, finances. So I told the guy, I said, listen, I came in here in the Uber. I'm not leaving in the Uber. I said, we can sit here all day, but I'm going to get a car today. And I end up walking away. It's not the Lexus that I came in with, but I, I end up walking away with a 2018 Nissan Versa. Wow, you, you built know? your life back up step Absolutely. by step. And, um, you know, during a mediation process, they asked, you know, of course, where you stand at and things like that. And when he found out that I was staying right around the corner from where we stayed at, like, I just had to let you know, like, one monkey don't stop a show. You know, you probably threw dirt on the person that I was, but I'm back. Mm. So, yeah. And so... Where can people learn more about your story? Have Is it written down? Where can people read it? Besides hearing it here, where can they find you? Where can people um, just get more of what you have to tell? Okay, so I am 
working on a project right now. I can't really talk about what it is um, indefinitely, but uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Serena, that's S-A-R-I-N-A 813. Um, or you can reach out to me for motivational speaking because I do speak on, you know, uh, empowering women, um, uh, financial uh breakthrough and things of that nature as well. So my email address is Serena, S-A-R-I-N-A, career813 um, at Gmail. And if you had a message for men, for men to know when to recognize these behaviors, what can you tell men uh, in sports, young men coming up in sports, what can you tell men in sports so they do not do what your ex-husband did to you? Well, my advice is if you see those signs within yourself, um, even if you Google narcissistic behavior and you fall under those categories, um, I will find somebody that you look up to, another male that may be married, that know how to treat a, a woman, that can show you. Because a lot of times men, you know, although they grew up in a two-parent home, the father didn't show them how to treat a woman. Or maybe somebody never taught them how to treat a woman at all, you know, so you're just doing things off the whim. Just find somebody that can mentor you to show you what real love is because once you give real love, you're going to get it back. And there's also probably you have lots of interesting tactics to share with women, like maybe you keep separate bank accounts for a little while. And so it's worth women who are going through this situation or Mm -hmm. who are charting their future course to reach out to you. And I think what's amazing about your story is that when people go through dynamics, different situations, they, they feel like, you know, they keep losing the, the little battles. And your story reminds me of the tortoise and the hare. In every way, it seemed like every turn in the road, you were down and out. But ultimately, at the finish line, the truth always comes out and you won long term. And hopefully that reassures people that there will be vindication in the end. It just takes some time to get there. But the truth will come out and you know, karma is a, a real thing and right. people end up getting what they deserve. And you're already so much more of a superstar. And that guy is, is left in the dust. And I think Probably we can find a few silver linings of every situation. And why don't you just talk a little bit about the organization you're involved in now that you were able to start because you had been married to him. Right. So basically, um, I was uh, honored to be a, uh, a speaker to the women of the NFL uh, first conference in Atlanta. And um, they allowed me to, to share my story. The young lady that hosted every year, her name is Donisha Rowe, um, phenomenal woman, um, And she allowed me to just come and kind of impart and share my story because a lot of women are dealing with the same thing, you know, especially in this circle. You know, you go out and you put on for the cameras, you know, and everybody think it's glitz and glam, but you really don't know what somebody is dealing with behind closed doors. So for me to be able to touch bases and relate to those women, it was amazing. Um, I'm saying that to say when I I told my story, um, Erica who is the president of Off the Field. She was there, and she was very inspired by my my story and was like, I want you to be a part of our organization. And um, I was like, well, you know, we're not married anymore. And she was just like, it, you really don't have to. You know, you can help women in, in our organization that's going through the same thing that you're going through. And I built such a sisterhood. Like, we can call each other at any time, any point. You know, we have... Um, you know, outings where we uh, go, like last year we went to um, to Washington and we just had a phenomenal girls trip, you know, and that's something that's needed, you know. And what what's about, the name of the organization? Um, it's Off the Field Players Wives Association. And what I would like to add too is maybe girlfriends, mm-hmm. right? Maybe girlfriends who need that help. You never know. I mean, I'm 
So my girlfriend and I, we moved in together six months ago. So mm-hmm. who knows if she's feeling the same thing or, you know, whether it be financial or just counseling or just big sister, big bro. Right. But I feel like we can create something where girlfriends or, you know, people, partners of any sport right. should be able to speak to someone who's been through it before financially, emotionally, physically, and mentally. You know what I mean? So that would right. be kind of a cool thing that we can build out in the future. Yeah. Right. It, well, it's a... Prior to me actually being in that, um, I was I reached out to um, what is her name? Her husband is Sherrod Martin. Okay. Uh, uh, Sharika, and so she had an organization to where is it's Wags Redefined. So I can hook your your girlfriend up with that, and that's how I actually start learning about like different groups and everything. Um, that's a sisterhood as well. And you know, just because we the off the field players wise association doesn't mean that we're disowning those that's, that's not married. You know what I'm saying? Because we we do mentor those that um, that's not married that's looking to get married as well. You know, so it's not like like you see on TV the drama, or if you're this person, you can't come in. No, it's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. And obviously what you went through is a real-life horror movie, and you're such an inspiration, so strong and brave and smart and resilient that you were able to get out of that dynamic because in every way he had all the power, and it's because of you being a superstar that you were able to get yourself out. But both through this sisterhood, you know, this podcast and your platform, you're going to be able to save so many more lives, and, you know, it's just feel horrible for what you endured, but I know because of your story and your willingness to talk about it and help others that you're going to totally change the lives of so many people, uh, especially ones going through similar situations. Yeah, Serena, you're a superhero, and we thank you for sharing your story. I hope the world gets to hear it, and men don't do that to women anymore. Like, this, we need to ex that, get that out of there. So thank you again for joining us on the Energy Captain podcast. Does not, does not hurt. Love, yeah, that is that is not a real man right there. Love Absolutely. does not hurt. I like that a lot. So Serena Murphy, thank you again for sharing your story, and uh, much love from Cam and Whitney. Thanks, Serena. Thank you. For-